Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello. It's the Creep Dive. Welcome. How, how are you, Cass? Yeah, I'm okay. Welcome into the main episode. It's thronged with excitement. Well, I'm fine. No one asked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It is thronged with excitement. I'm just looking here at something. You know, we all have our lists. Oh, yeah. And this is really interesting. Did yeah. you ever hear... About the man who, innocently enough, had a colonoscopy. Ah, yeah. And you'll never guess what they found inside. Remote control. Very close. A live ladybug. A live ladybug. Living her best life. Incredible. Here's the background. So, everyone knows what a ladybird looks like. Yeah. Yeah. They're very small. You think they're easy to kill. They eat, uh, what do you call those things that are on green fly? Yeah. They're very, very good for the garden. Who would have thought that they could survive such an incredible feat? Such a tight area. So we are aware that our bodies can host millions of parasites in our guts. We tapeworms, no problem. Mm-hmm. Even cockroaches. Wow. Whoa, well, cockroaches can survive anything. Correct. Roundworms, like an absolute pinworms any type of worm you like all right uh and the very natural environment for parasites um but it is highly unusual to find such an insect like right up in there so during this guy's routine colonoscopy the doctor came across something very do you want to see the picture of it oh i do highly yeah. unusual so here we go uh we're in part of his lower intestine Oh, it's roomy in there. The camera's up. It's very roomy. There's a fucking ladybird in there. Oh my God. Moving around alive and bloody well. 
So how the hell did this insect get into the bowels and digestive tract and survive? Like, for some reason, I'm definitely picturing the back door. Yes, no. Lady plug, as it were. (laughs) This ladybird got in the mouth. I keep calling him a berg. So all the doctors were like, look, if this ladybird got up, ladybird got up the bum, fair play. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe possible. Um, but it didn't. It entered the man's mouth during sleep the day before the procedure and worked its way through the stomach, through the small intestine, and then ended up in the large bloody intestine. And... Um, Here's another thing. Before, How are they getting that info? Are they interviewing the ladybug? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, it, it, I don't know, so But it, during when you go for a colonoscopy, they ask you to drink the liquid uh, and no food to okay. kind of flush out your system. So it wasn't the case that the ladybird got in during post-digestive tract flush out, meaning a lot of the stomach acids had been purged, Uh, the bells were free from anything. But isn't that... A ladybug's playground. Incredible. Absolutely. Wow. So it's in there still. And God love that little insect. But it's incredible. I can't wait for the Disney version of that film. (laughs) (laughs) So for this episode, I'll tell you what I have. I have a man imprisoned after a historic flood in the summer of 1993. We're in the Midwest of America. And this thing was a 500 year old flood. And we have one man currently still in prison. And I have... Wait, what? The story (laughs) of how one man came to be blamed... For this disaster in the States oh, in no. 1993. And why, and that story is what I have for you today. But it's a 500 year old flood. No, it's like once in every 500 years, this kind of oh, level of rainfall would happen. Okay, and he's to blame. Well, they had various levees, you see, and dams along this river. Oh, okay. Doing some fuckery. And yes, I'll tell you all about it when it's my Okay, turn. I can't wait. I have a chaotic murderer. Oh dear, called Charles. Charlie. Lovely. Yeah. Will I start you off with a little tidbit? Please do. From recently. So, um, the there recently discovered a twen- in March 2023, so last month, a 29 year old woman who pretended to be a teenager and enrolled in a New Jersey high school was um, sentenced. So, what the hell? She. Was obviously right. She saw never been kissed. Yeah, in Ro- like there's so many stories of like the, of this which covered over the years. But um, basically, parents were questioning the ease at which this woman tricked school officials and was able to wander the hallways, attend classes, and meet with guidance counselors for four days in January. <laughs> so students at the school in New Brunswick High said that they feared the woman. Hai Zhangxin had malicious, possibly criminal intentions after she tried to set up meetings with them at a location outside of school. But in March, two lawyers hired by her family laid out a far less sinister explanation for her strange behavior. So she was recently divorced and far away from her family in South Korea. And she was trying to just recreate the sense of safety she had felt when she had been a student at a Massachusetts boarding school. Um, one of the lawyers says it is a very, very bizarre case and it may be difficult for people to understand, but there are personal issues that she needs to resolve and she's been away from home for a long, for a long time. So 
At her second court appearance, she entered a non-guilty plea to charges that a prosecutor said carry a maximum penalty of five years in prison. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, it would For be five like... five days in school. Like, I guess it's like fraud and like intention to... Well, maybe it's intention to harm or something. I don't know. I think anything involving children is a bit sketchy. Especially in the so States. So if, she, if she's kicking off like first day of high school kind of thing. What age are Well, oh, she's in January, she's in January. So I guess like new term. Yeah, she's probably registered as a student returning after Christmas. And what age were the students that she was in with, do you think? What oh, high school students. So like, I don't know. I mean, like some of them could have been between, 17, 18. Yeah, 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 of course. But like she's 29. So... Not ideal. Not ideal. Um, it's half your age plus seven, isn't it? <laughs> in order to get back into school. <laughs> no, you know that like, uh, uh, yes, you're right. You know, in terms of dating someone. Yeah, so that's she... That's your cut off. Okay. That's the minimum age you're allowed to go, Jen. Okay. So half, half your, your age, age plus seven. seven. So you can date someone who's 52 and... <laughs> 27. Is that right? Yeah, sounds good. Let's 27, go. half Mature. your age plus 7, 24. Not great. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no one's offering. No one is offering. <laughs> Absolutely no. It's like crickets. I actually have a cricket sound here. It's like, there we go. <laughs> Look at that for an interactive podcast. So God love her. She was lonely. I feel like that is sort of relatable. 29 she was lonely. She was recently divorced. She didn't have any family. She wanted to create some sense of safety. It's hard to make friends as an adult, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, you she, get to the end of your 20s and there is a kind of malaise yes. where you're like, well, shit. Now what? That nothing happened there. Nothing's changed since school. The one thing I really want to know is whether there was free food at the school. Because mm. oh. like... For example, so at our secondary school, no free food. No. Um, no. But I went on Erasmus when I was in college and there was free food in the canteen in college. and In Greece? Yeah. And Ooh. like that was delicious. Yeah. Worth faking I to get in. Definitely fake to get and in. And the temptation to get in and like nail everything. Oh yeah, we used to steal, obviously we used to steal Not whatever like was stealable to bring home to our apartment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But just being good at everything. Like if she was feeling like, oh man, I've been a bit of a failure. Yeah, I could really happened. go back and do the junior circuit. Well, here, this is it. Like <laughs> if I could just go at it again, maybe I wouldn't have chosen physics for my leaving cert and I would have ended up somewhere different. But exactly. here's a bit of her story, right? So she lived in a high rise apartment near um, Rutgers University which was about three miles from the high school where she pretended to be a student. There was 2,400 students in the school, so big school, right? The charges brought against her are that she provided the official, the school officials with documents that falsified her age. She actually graduated from Rutgers University in 2019 with a degree in political science and Chinese and had been taking classes towards a master's degree, but was not employed and was going through what was described as a bitter divorce. Oh, dear. So in 2022, her landlord filed a lawsuit after she fell roughly $20,000 behind on rent. Oh, shit. Her debt was linked to her divorce, which was finalized, you know, a few years prior. So it kind of does feel like she just maybe didn't have... I think she was probably just in a heightened sense of stress. And um, they said she said she had no intentions of harming anybody in the school 
um, and she didn't, you know, she just oh, wanted to recreate. Oh, that's a bit sad. Yeah. yeah, she first came to the United States at 16 to attend boarding school in Massachusetts. And it just seems to be a case of wanting to return to a place of safety and welcoming in an environment that she looked back on with fondness. So um, other like her previous lecturers in university had described her as being a top notch student. Top notch. She was named a learning community scholar in 2017. Her main academic interests were language and linguistics and her influence on and linguistics on the influence of human identity and culture. So she was like, yeah, yeah, she was described as being quiet. She said she was slow to open up to people and it took her a while to like start talking until she felt comfortable around people. So I think it's just, yeah, that is kind of sad. It's one of those kind of sad, yeah, cases. I think make a few pals in prison. Well, I'd say she won't go to prison. She's, they're trying to get her to go to, um, psychiatrist. Yeah. And apply to a program that diverts first time offenders from the criminal justice system. And uh, just puts them on probation in that program in diversion. In yeah, but she's actually she's not she is in the U.S. legally, but she's not a U.S. citizen. So the likelihood is that she'll just have to return to when the case concludes. She'll have to return to South Korea. Bummer! What a very unusual interlude in that woman's life. Considering yeah. she seemed to be well until the divorce. I mean, she was so she's, qualified. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, rest in peace to her Look, career. A little nervy bee. A that's little nervy bee. Yeah. <laughs> that's all that's going on there. Do you I'm know? I'm just lucky my nervy bees have yet to kind of make it into uh, arrest scenarios. Just books. Just books. Just books. Uh, do you want to hear about the flood? I absolutely yeah. do. Get your backpack on. We're going to America. <laughs> don't forget to fill out that form at the airport. Don't try and bring Vegemite into the country. Certainly not. They don't know what it is. The year, it was the summer of 1993 and we're in the american midwest and there was torrential rain the likes of which had not be seen, been seen for over 100 years so absolutely prolonged periods of heavy heavy rain bill or clinton was known as an irish summer an irish mm. summer bill clinton president at the time is quoted here as saying in the face of a 500 year old flood we now we know we cannot contain the fury of a river thank you bill i make a request that bill now speaks in churchill's voice please Jen. Do what i got just do it again let's do winston in the face of a 500 year old year flood we know we cannot contain the fury of a river okay when i die i'm just putting this on record you have to do my eulogy as winston churchill oh my god yes of everyone yeah i will friend so we have levees breaking in a sequence and the last crest of enormous enormous water hurtling down the mississippi river shit so it was huge national news and it w- the water was coming with a vengeance. And it wasn't if this last levy would fail. It was when the fucking last levy collapses. Everyone's in big goddamn trouble. And if you lived in a place called Quincy, Illinois in 1993, you better believe you knew where you were on the night of July 16th when that levy broke. Uh, not, so when it did break, there was a gas station 
uh, a couple of them very close to the levee exploded <gasps> in fire oh. carrying firing debris everywhere oh, fuck. and it so that became not just one enormous disaster this incredible flood which was a catastrophe people lost homes people lost farms they lost whole businesses and incredibly nobody died Wow. So the actual Jeez, casualty. Oh, your fucking whole house would be wiped out. You'd be raging. Mm. The, the one lad on your road oh, yeah. who has a speedboat. Oh, oh I'd listen. say that. You know, when you see, he's the equivalent of uh, sunny day convertible drivers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. The, the, the water the came to his driveway. Yeah. would be off the charts. So there was one casualty and... This man is currently, to this day, rotting in prison, likely for the rest of his life, oh my for God. causing the flood. But wait. So, le- as it stands in the story, the motive was this. James Scott was going to break the levee to strand his wife in Missouri because he wanted to have a few pints with the lads. Oh, oh no. my God. Needs must. Needs must. So I'm getting all this information from this guy, Dr. Alan Pitluck. And he is an investigative journalist and he wrote a book all about James Scott and the great Midwestern flood of 1993. So let's head back to the night in question. The huge, mighty Mississippi is out of control. Its banks are bursting along 400 miles. (gasps) And there's a humongous effort to try and hold this thing back. So the river got up and up and it stayed up. So apparently 17 feet is flood stage for this area. Uh, That feels like a lot. They could deal with up to 24 feet. Okay. But in 1993, it went up to 32 feet. Feck. And it was incredible. And the river floodwaters were threatening to overtop the final levee 14,000 acres of prime farmland was threatened to be washed along uh, as well as all the summer crop and agriculture was one of the prime features of this area so people hired bulldozers started pushing sand up to the mouth of the border of the river uh, and stuff a load of soil and sand up against the levee to try and increase its weight weight and height Mm. Uh, so West Quincy, Missouri was in a dreadful, dreadful situation and the river levels started rising and a call went up for help and that call was for everybody, every man, woman and child, the National Guard, the police, of course, paramedics. It was all hands on deck and it was run down to the river, sandbag up yeah. and get moving. And so moms and dads were heading down. Kids were filling bags with sand. Moms were tying it off. But they had no other choice. It couldn't have been done by the government alone at this point. There just wasn't enough manpower. Everybody was connected to the effort to keep the river in the banks. That's Mm -hmm. wild. And it was kind of amazing. And it was working initially. So the levee held for the 14th of July and then for the 15th. And they thought they were out of the woods. But... On July 16th, with the levee gone, so this is the night of the 16th, the remaining levees looked as if they would hold for another day, but tragedy struck in West Quincy. So the barge, this big barge, which was just like a, you know, boat kind of thing, Mm. uh, came through and it broke the levee, knocked over the fuel stations and the inferno took up. Jesus. 
what uh, the fuck started is moving the south. Has the barge not heard what's going on? <laughs> the, barge, the barge was out of control. The barge is just like fucking charging on. Is it an unmanned barge? It, everything was gone south. It was this barge could have been moored up, fucking up on the someone the top of a hill close by and from the pictures I don't know if it was a barge in the boat sense that we look at or it looks like a big container yeah from the aerial shots of it right Uh, like huge large marge the barge so one individual uh, one of the people on the scene that had been sandbagging all day long was James Scott he was coming down from the levee when he was stopped by a local reporter this kind of, uh, this woman just doing it, vox pops on the street. And she asks, were you on a break? Were you with a whole bunch of other men? Uh, you weren't at the levee when the break occurred, were you? And James was just like, oh no, uh, everybody left. You know, I decided to stick around uh, until the next crew came. So within minutes of this tragedy the levy breaking we see that the first person on the scene being interviewed on tv live tv was somebody that every law enforcement individual was very familiar with. oh shit oh they James were like has a rep yeah so the deputy of quincy at the time flicked on his television and was like well wouldn't you know it? wouldn't you? there's that messer it. it's jamie fucking scott oh. so this they this he thought was but beyond coincidence for this guy to be at the scene of this major catastrophe catastrophe so straight away the focus very was good. on poor james huh coincidence oh, coinc- very good coincidence so. i'm listening um, Top so of the, the deputy said he knew jim james scott and his family and his brothers because they were juvenile delinquents they burnt down and destroyed a very major and historic school uh, the webster school Shit. and the deputy thought there was a possibility that he may have caused the levy breach he was more into partying than he was being helpful uh the deputy said that's the first thing that hit me and the second was what the hell is he doing there who authorized him to be out there on his own and like he shouldn't have been there. Mm. The next thing the deputy knew, or anyone knew, James had been charged. They'd extradited him from Illinois to Missouri, and then they were preparing the court cases. So James and got, nothing more than just like the coincidence of him being there and his reputation. Absolutely nothing. So at this point, James was like in absolutely denying it down to the ground. Still is to this day. Are you bored? Like have anything to fucking do with this? Not only that, how do you suggest that I broke the levy? Yeah. And we all knew the fucking levy was going to break anyway. I had no business with the barge. I'd never met the barge. Do you think he just like took a piss into the river and it was the final the final cubic meters, the cubic millimeters of fluid that sent it? So what was like what was law enforcement claiming he had done? Uh, interfere. This is where it gets interesting. Interfere. So interfered. So this will all come at the end. Why he might be fingered and why they needed an act of vandalism. Okay, okay. Well, I'll tell you about that in a minute. So this guy who wrote the book on James Scott got involved, obviously, in everything to do with James's life, mm. and began. This is twenty years ago. Um, began interviewing him while he was in prison. Sorry followed to the tell investigation. You, Jen, it's actually thirty years ago. Oh, are you fucking serious? <laughs> Oh well, isn't that um, always terrifying? Nineteen ninety-three. Yeah, it's a long time ago. I mean, it's still thirty eight years, years this ago year. in my mind. 
well, well, however, it was a long, long time ago. <laughs> and he was going to interview James and this investigative journalist, who's quite clear about the fact that he did not believe James had done anything in this case. Yeah. He believed he was an entire scapegoat. But because of James's kind of sketchy past, yeah. it just fit. And also no one really gave a shit about James Scott except his mum. Ah. Mm. So the kind of independent investigation took a hold. And at that point of the arrest and when the the kind of the guy, the investigative journalist started interviewing James, he was only tw- in his tw- early 20s. And he was adamant that he had nothing to do, regardless of all his past transgressions, which he admitted to. He said, I absolutely did not cause this breach of the levy. And the journalist was like, I, I feel like this guy's telling the truth. So James was a kind of a local bad boy and he was never a violent uh, criminal. No sex offending that we know of. And this is what's interesting about the case. There was actually, t- he ended up in court twice uh, with this kind of thing. And the judge just was awful about it. So eventually sentencing him to life for this. He but imagine you were incu- like accused of doing something that is so out of this world, like ridiculous. Yeah. Like breaking a levy. Of course, everything you'd say would be suspicious. Agreed. And to be honest, all, all of the citizens who'd been so badly affected and who'd been involved in trying to save it kind of happily took him as the scapegoat. Yeah, bang for blood. Well, they there's a good of, bit of goss in that as well. They believed that justice you know? had been served. Yeah. They had somebody to blame for this. And it was fucking awful. And the community reacted very favorably when he was eventually convi- convicted. And years later, uh, after interviewing the people of Quincy, one elderly lady said, just hang him from the nearest tree and everybody can go home for lunch. Jesus, oh Mary God, and Joseph. There's no one more vicious than an elderly lady. Oh, yeah. A random elderly lady. Yeah. So after your man starts digging around again, after the, there was a second trial when this new motive arose and it was this, so this 16-year-old kid came forward by the name of Joe Flax, who at the time was under house arrest. Another sort of bold kid. And he testified that James Scott told him at a party right before the flood that he was going to break the levee and strand his wife in Missouri so he could continue to go to the party in Illinois without her. And that's the bit that made headlines. And that's the bit they really clung to, everybody sort of clung to. Now, your man, the journalist, tried to invent, invent tried to call this guy Joe Flax after the fact to re-ask him again, like, yeah. are you sure about this? yeah. But he, he never agreed to do another interview unless he was paid. Plus, the that just sounds to pay like him. drunk talk. Total nonsense. Like, there's a threatened flood. Yeah. You'd make a few cracks about it. Yeah. Of course you would. And it was irresistible headline fodder for the BuzzFeed masses. You know, this man caused a natural disaster because he wanted to get away from his wife. Yeah. You know, gas. Yeah, because, oh, fucking wives. Yeah. The lamest. So then, so he tried to contact this guy, Joe Flax. He wasn't answering. You know, he wanted money. Your man said no. And that was sort of the end of that. But then he was like, okay, let's get a few scientists involved in this. And he contacted two independent soil scientists. Uh, They were shown the topographical map of the area. Both of them independently were asked to pinpoint, were asked to point if there was to be a breach in the levee, 
where would it be? They both picked the exact same spot. And that's the science that made it irrefutable in this journalist's opinion. So this is where the levee broke, opposite of Quincy, in, which was far away from where, you know, the, also the, the these soil experts were like, there is no possible way that one individual could have done this. It was going to be an ine- inevitability. He spoke about the soil building up either side of the levee, that in fact that was they were weakening it somehow, yeah. removing the soil from further away. Yeah. It was impacting. Yeah. This is an absolutely, this is going to happen. There is no possible way one individual man was going to release 14,000 gallons or whatever it was of the Mississippi River yeah. by like kicking a few stones to the side of it. Yeah, yeah. So again, there's just, let's see now, hang on. But like that seems irrefutable that like it would if it broke further away from where he was like how was he picked up and arrested and charged and they not have like a crime scene or like a place where they figured he had done it it was all just circumstantial all circumstantial and they I don't know yeah it seems extremely strange it was all vibes yeah yeah all vibes no evidence but like incredible that he went through two trials and his defense must have been so shit that they didn't even get like any scientists to weigh in. But no one gave a shit about him. I yeah. guess he just had public defenders and yeah. they all probably wanted to pin it on him so the city wasn't liable for Well, the well, city's always going to be liable. Some kind of insurance payout. Huge insurance payout. So back before that, let's just return to the levy. So in the last hours before the levy failed, uh, they were bulldozing the back side of it, cutting channels in the back side in order to kind of bring the soil up and top. And there is no way that was all kind of compromising the levee's ability to kind of keep the so really water back. Fucking fault. And in the professional's opinion, like this guy is completely innocent. This levee was going to break one way or the other. There's nothing that one man could have done. Um, even if even the suggestion that he kind of sped it up was sort of batshit. Yeah. Without being sucked away himself. If he manned one of the bulldozers and like started, you yeah. know. So there were a huge, there was countless money-wise damage done mm. to the businesses in the area, people's homes, as we said, all that agriculture just flown away. And there was one location in which insurance paid for damages. And they did it because a human created the disaster. Mm. So not a natural disaster, which yeah. they wouldn't have covered for. Yeah. And the largest landowner on the Missouri side of the levee break this guy, he was a civilian chair of the Levy District Commission. Norman Hare is his name. And he bought a brand new house that he built with the disaster relief funds. He should never have received those fucking funds in the first place. Key witnesses for the prosecution in the James Scott trial had a financial stake in the outcome. Of and course. never admitted it. <gasps> fucking, this guy's rotting away in prison. No fucking way. So they had to pin it on a man because the insurance companies would just not cover... 100%. Right. So nobody's homes would get rebuilt. Uh, the businesses couldn't start again. And presumably, like, the judge... They were all in on... Like, he would have known that that would have been the outcome. Yeah, well, like, this. how many people did you say it impacted? Like, 14,000 acres of farmland. Oh. That's, like, like thousands of people impacted. Exactly. That's a, the whole... That's the city of Quincy, effectively finished, without any kind of... Mm. relief there would have been like a national relief fund but it would have touched the sides but also these kind of high dick swinging individuals would have been majorly influential as well yeah so 
the farmers that they needed a scapegoat to get an insurance claim, they did. They actually did not have a federal flood insurance uh, through FEMA that covers flooding. They did have homeowners insurance and that covered vandalism. Right. So were it not for somebody vandalising the levy, they would not have been able to file a claim. Acts of God were not covered. Acts of vandalism were. So it's a fucking fix. So that is kind of the sad, sad story of James Scott currently in prison to this and day. And he's still there. He's still there. That is un. Now, like, how has there not been a innocence project? project? Yeah, I do not know. Like, this guy obviously uh, wrote a book about it and tried to spread the word as best he could. Yeah, but nobody's biting. Kim Kardashian. I was about to say, needs to get Eddie better on. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's bad, isn't it? That's that's strange. And then, so the poor poor guy. Like, what age is he now? He must be fifty something. Exactly. His mother now passed away. Ah, oh, God. Love so him. he's fairly lonely, I'd say. Oh, God. One guy in prison. Would we write to him? I think we might. Would Should we, we send him a t shirt? We could send him Sorry, a creepy little weird. Oh, the only way oh, is up t shirt would probably be. That's a kick in the spit in the eye. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We could send him a Michael, Michael Superbacker mugs. Where we are could. our Michael Superbacker mugs? Did we never get the Michael Superbacker mugs? We did. We did. Mugs. Sophie gave them to oh, us all. Yes. Did we take them home? Yeah, we yeah. must have. Anyway, how's he? How's, anyway, <laughs> so that's poor old... Fucking hell. James Scott. That is really sad. It's incredibly just, sad, isn't it? saddened by it. I know, I just don't... I can't believe that, that, that there's not enough evidence to Clear exonerate him. But they probably... There's too many people... Involved. Like, what happens... Covering their asses. Yeah, yeah, what happens if he's exonerated? I don't to, know. To the insurance claims? Like, the money's surely spent there's, gone. Yeah, but surely there's a... I don't know. A clause in the insurance, like if it's at the time it's decreed to be an act of and they have a, they've arrested someone and, and the payout has happened. Can the insurance claim, can the insurance company decide to go back and ask for their money back? Well, they can start all these kind of lawsuits about kind of like fraud. Fraud. Yes, yeah. But anyway, that's oh, that. Desperate Oh, he's got no appeals left. Ah. And he's got no legal help. Oh, no. What do oh, we do? Jesus. We just hung them out to dry. Uh-huh. Should we start a GoFundMe? I don't know. <laughs> it's, not, it's fucking terrible. It's terrible. It's ter- Look, he's not dead, so that's positive. Yeah. And You're really scared at the bottom of the barrel when that's all you can say. I don't know. Feel bad for him. That's America. Oh, God. It is. I mean, if we learn anything from the, um, the, the, the TikTok congress hearing like they don't seem to listen to reason and normality no just gun toting libelous well it just feels like they excitement it's real and um, guilty till proven innocent even though they say it's the opposite certainly okay yeah. this should be an episode of the good wife or the good fight um, Aaron Brockovich they'd get him off so uh, <laughs> this coming in I've got from my fave, Susie Donnelly. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Susie. Always looking out for me. So, here we go. Matthew McConaughey <laughs> says Woody Harrelson could be his half-brother. I saw this. They're very They're alike. so similar looking. I have always thought the energy is very similar. And, I mean, there's a little visual similarity, but, like, 
You know. What was the show they were in together? True Detective. They were interchangeable. <laughs> and what's the phrase one of them always uses? Say hello to your mother for me. Is, is that? You're not, you're not thinking, thinking of Mark of, Wahlberg. Uh, oh, what's, oh, it's like a laugh there's or one, something. There's a Matthew McConaugheyism that I do. Uh-huh. That's it. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh, that's from the, that's that's from the big from, short. That's from the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, <laughs> we are all over the <laughs> But, um, and he's got the uh, green light. You know, he's got that kind of whispery voice. Yeah, which oh, one People now? are shouting at their phones at the McConaugheyism. Anyway, okay. So, basically, um... Matthew McConaughey was talking on Kelly Ripper's Let's Talk Off Camera podcast, right? And he said that um, him and Woody Harrelson were considering doing a DNA test after realizing they could possibly be brothers. Um, All right, all right. That's it. Thank you. All right, all All right, right, all right. He said, you know where I start and where he ends and where he starts and I end? There's always been like a murky line. Are you for real? Do they have a familial connection? So, and they're very close friends. And he went on to say, that's part of our bromance, right? They're almost All right, like, all right, all right. They're like the happy pair of America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we they? should have creep of a week then. Oh, damn it. We can oh come back later. Oh, my God. I love it. Um, okay, so anyway, he says, my kids call him Woody, Uncle Woody. His kids call me Uncle Matthew. And you see pictures of us, and my family thinks a lot of pictures of him are me. Ooh. And his family thinks a lot of pictures of me are him. So... In Greece, a few years ago, we were sitting around talking about how close we are and our families. And my mum was there. This is... Um, Which one's This mom? is Matthew McConaughey's mum. And she says, Woody... So Woody's there too. Woody, I knew your dad. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and everyone... 
it says Matthew was aware of the ellipses that my mom left after new. It was like a loaded new. Oh, interesting. I knew your dad. Okay. Carnally. And who was Matthew McConaughey's parents? Like, were they together or? So, yes, we need to unpack a few things here yeah. about the McConaughey and Harrelson households. So, the old loaded new um, prompted Woody and Matthew to sort of start investigating their family histories. And they did some math, or maths, as we say, mm-hmm. and found out that. Woody's dad was on furlough at the same time that my mom and dad, this is Matthew's mom and dad, were on their second divorce. Okay. So, same state? Um, yeah. Close So there was, um, there was kind of a bit of crossover between, so again, sorry, this is confusing, but uh, between Woody's dad being kind of around and about the place and... Um, Matthew's mom and dad doing their second divorce. So there was like possible receipts, Matthew says, and places out in West Texas where there might have been a gathering or a meeting or a new But hold on. In order for them to be brothers, the mother would have had to have also given birth to No, no. no, They share a father. (laughs) Yeah. Like she... So she obviously... Matthew's mom... The fa- the fact yeah yeah was divorcing Matthew's dad fine. Meanwhile, Woody's dad was on furlough. We'll okay. talk about that in a minute. Okay, because Woody's dad was Who's very older? busy. Let's say Woody's dad was a busy man. Okay, okay. we'll get on to him in a sec. Um, so basically, now I get you. Matthew's mom may have fucked Woody's dad. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay, we're back. Um, it is confusing. And now so- it just. For age as well, Woody Harrelson is 61 61. and Matthew McConaughey is 53. Yeah. And Matthew McConaughey has very much grown up believing his own dad is his dad. Yes. And given the fact that his parents divorced twice, I think we can assume that there may have been some murky murky times between those two. Mm -hmm. But he has always taken his dad to be his dad. Woody's dad uh, is quite the philanderer, goer, I would say. Um, so they're still debating whether or not to do the DNA test. And Matthew says, oh, it's a little easier for Woody to say, come on, let's do the test because like his dad is his dad. Whereas Matthew might do this test and find out that his dad, after 53 years of believing he was his dad, mm-hmm. is not his dad. Exactly. Plus the dad he would be inheriting. Well, iffy. I'm going to tell you about Woody Harrelson's dad. Whose occupation on Wikipedia is listed as hitman. <laughs> no. No. Yes. Stop. This is a skelly in a closet. Charles Void Harrelson was born in 1938 and he uh, was an American hitman and uh, was convicted of assassinating a federal judge. Whoa. Um, yeah, he has the. Uh, uh, what's the word? Dubious um, accolade of having f- murdered the first f- federal judge to be assassinated in the 20th century. Ooh. So, and he's also, footnote, 
the father of actors Brett and Woody Harrelson. So, as I said, he was born, Charles Harrelson was born in 1937 in Lovelady, Texas. He is the son of Alma Lee and Void Harrelson. And so, um, Charles was married to, variously, Nancy Hillman, Nancy Lou Oswald, Joanne Harrelson, and Gina Adele Foster. So, he worked uh, for a time as an encyclopedia salesman in Uh, California. He also did a bit of professional gambling. What does it mean? (laughs) I think it means your only income is your gambling, perhaps. Um, And in 1960, when he was 22 years old, he was convicted of armed robbery. And then later on, much later, he admitted that in like the early 60s, around the time that he was doing the armed robbery, he was also involved in simply dozens of murders. Right. Holy shit. Yes. So um, did we know that Woody Harrelson's full name is Woodrow Tracy Harrelson? No. No. If you'd ask me what Woody (laughs) was short for. I wish I had before I told you. Woodington. <laughs> Woodrow is what you're telling me. Woodrow, and then they now just that, mixed was, it up with Vivian. What was the second name? Uh, Tracy. Tracy. <laughs> I am. Um, I learned look from the so Simpsons alike, that there was they? an American president called Woodrow. Mm. Woodrow something. I remember that in The Simpsons because Bart is like having a kind of letter love. He's catfishing. Miss Krabappel. Oh, that was cruel. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, um, and signed Woodrow. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Woody later said of his father, my father is one of the most articulate, well-read, charming people I've ever known. Okay. Still, I'm just now gauging whether he merits my loyalty or friendship. I look at him as someone who could be a friend more than someone who is a father, if one is to be friends with him. Was okay. he in prison, presumably, for a lot of Woody's life? In and out. He was always going in and then always getting out and kind of going in again. So he was tried. um, So this was like years after the armed robbery. He got out of prison after being uh, tried for armed robbery and virtually immediately uh, was tried for the murder of a man called Alan Berg. Hmm. Um, Now, he was acquitted for that murder. And um, then... Same year, he's got so much on. Same year, 1968, he was tried for the uh, murder for hire killing of a guy called Sam DeGalia Jr. And so um, Charles Harrison, dad, dada, was paid $2,000 dues um, for the the murder of this guy, Sam, uh, which is about 16 grand in today's money. So I would still say not enough. Yes. I mean... Really not enough. Closer to 30 for me. I would even probably like a bit more. Would you? Yeah. Bottom, Especially bottom, if... Bottom of the... Above it though. What's the minimum? Minimum. I want three... I want six figures. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Like, but like they're especially picking someone with actual experience if they're paying six figures. Well, I was about... Yeah, I was about to say like, I see... I don't think Charles is actually very good at doing his murders. Obviously really. not. Um, okay, so this poor guy, Sam Jagalia Jr., was murdered in Texas. And 
Father of four. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Now, incredibly, that trial ended with a deadlocked jury. Um, and so, even though Charles Harrelson's accomplice was tried in the case and found guilty of being an accomplice and got sentenced to seven years. Charles got free. Har- yeah, Charles was free, but then so, retried. Okay. Because the, the jury was locked. So he was retried in 1973. So this is like now five years after the murder. So five years of presumably maybe boning oh, Matthew's mom. The furlough. Mm, very, very possible. Uh, at some point in that. No, I think that the, uh, the maths on that don't quite add up. Because I think Matthew must have been born in the... Maybe seventies. Actually, fuck yeah, yeah. God, all these times are so much further ago than they used to feel. <laughs> anyway, um, finally something stuck, and uh, Charles was sentenced to fifteen years in prison. Now, they—it's like they never met Charles because after five years served, they said, "Let him out." What? It was he's, all. It's he's that been very good. It's the charming he's that Woody was saying. Yeah. My dad is very smart. Very charmed. Charming. charming. Uh, shortly after his parole in 1978, his he and his then wife, Joanne, were implicated in yet another murder. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. And so this was the murder of U.S. District Judge John H. Wood Jr. That's a lot of names. That's a lot of words. Yeah. Shot dead in the parking lot outside his Texas townhouse. Like Charles isn't even like changing up no scene. He's bundling anyone into a boot. Um, Waiting a body down in a near lake. Yeah, no, nothing like that. It's quite splashy. Yeah. He's just kind of touting a gun around Texas. I mean, I suppose maybe you'd blend in. Definitely you would. Um, So basically, Charles was convicted of killing the judge after he was hired by a drug dealer called Jamiel Chagra also of Texas. And um, so the judge was, he had a nickname, this judge, Maximum John. (laughs) Oh my God. Like, fucking, I have notes. But yeah, basically because he handed down long sentences for drug offences. And he was supposed to have the drug dealer, Jamiel Chagra, Chagra, appear before him in court on the day that he was murdered. Ah. So like, also... That's not covering your tracks very well. No. As the man who is hiring somebody to murder the judge. Like, on the very day you're supposed to be there. Yeah. Like, that's and like... you're not just extending your sentence by like, causing that level of fuckery. Yes. It's and also, making you look more guilty. Something like... It kind of reminds me of, like, cheating on a maths test in school, but neglecting to do a few wrong answers. Foolish. Foolish. Okay, so... Basically, again, like... Charles probably mightn't have been so immediately apprehended had he not been um, firing, like, out in public, firing a gun at imaginary FBI agents while high on drugs. Oh, dear. He is not a subtle man. I see. He doesn't have that... Yeah. So with the aid of an anonymous tip and a tape recording of a conversation between um, the drug dealer and his brother, they had enough on Charles to charge him with the, the judge's murder. And Charles claimed at trial that he did not kill Judge Wood, 
but merely took credit for it. Mm. So he could claim a large payment from the drug dealer, Shagra. Um, He got, for that, two life terms. Um, Basically, the main evidence was the conversation between Chagra and his brother, basically where they both were like, yeah, let's hire this guy, Charles Harrelson. He has great references. He's done many murders before now. He's botched a lot in terms of getting caught. But he says yes. But he also has this great wife, Joanne, who might, apparently was involved in some way. Um, And so, um, Chagra, the drug dealer, also got 10 years. Um, But um, he um, was, he was, he got a 10-year sentence in exchange for testifying for the prosecution. Yikes. So, like, Charles, like, Harrelson really got it in the neck there. Yeah. Like, because a lot of the time they charge the person who's hired a murderer as, like... The murderer. Yeah. Or, like, the the person yeah. with the intent, anyway. Exactly. But anyway... um. Also, Joanne, um, she was sentenced also to consecutive terms that added up to 25 years on um, multiple convictions of like conspiracy and perjury related to the whole crime. Do so they, she obviously... Was that Woody's mom? No, no. Oh, sorry. Joanne. Joanne. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, and so in... 2003, okay, so we're jumping quite a bit forward from 1978 to 2003. The drug dealer recanted his statements, basically suddenly announcing that it actually hadn't been Charles Harrelson at all. And at at that period of time, Woody actually tried to intervene on on his father's behalf and get the conviction overturned in order to secure a new trial, but that was not successful. Now, in 1980, so right around the time that he was all embroiled in his trial for the judge and the murder for fire and things like that, um, there was another um, incident with Charles, uh, he was involved in a six-hour standoff while he was uh, reportedly high on cocaine. I mean. And during the standoff, so bearing in mind, he was under investigation. I think it was being brought to trial. He was in the shit, as it were. And when he was off his tits during this standoff, he started threatening suicide. Then he said that he had killed both Judge Wood and... JFK. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I know. And so basically, in a television interview after that arrest, Charles said, at the same time I said I'd killed the judge, I said I'd killed Kennedy, which might give you an idea to the state of my mind at the time. <laughs> basically, very high. Um, he said that statements made during the standoff were an effort to elongate my life, which makes no sense mm. whatsoever. Um, and so 
during the trial that took place with the drug dealer, do you remember the drug dealer gave a testimony for the prosecution to get his little 10-year sentence? So he said that um, Harrelson, this is very Charles activity, kind of bragged about shooting Kennedy and drew maps to show where he was hiding during the assassination. Yes. This can't be serious. This The Kennedy assassination yes. thing. Well, maybe. I mean, oh, this is the this is the biggest twist is, in Celebland since Army Hammer being a cannibal. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, it's one of the longest running conspiracies of all time the assassination of JFK. Like, there's all the, like, shooter, the lone shooter on the grassy knoll, and there's, yeah. like, all these... Inside jobs. Yes, and blah, blah, blah. And um, so, the drug dealer, Chagra, said he didn't believe Charles, would you believe? Um, but, and the FBI, according to the Associated Press, apparently discounted any involvement by Harrelson in the Kennedy assassination. Convenient. However, um, there is a book um, called Crossfire, which is written by an author called James Farrell Mars Jr. Everyone in the story has a million names. I do apologize. And he is a journalist and a New York Times bestselling author of several books. And he generally is very prominent in the conspiracy theory world he's kind of a pre alex jones okay Mm, probably minus like some of the worst of alex jones but anyway um he he's always this guy james farrell mars jr has always been absolutely bet into jfk assassination conspiracy theories and so he in his book said that charles is believed to be the youngest and tallest of the quote-unquote three tramps what does that mean so the three tramps were these lads who were photographed by a Dallas newspaper um, being escorted by police shortly after the assassination of JFK in 1963. So, like, and so basically... We've got to get a look at this. Yeah, so look up the three tramps pick and you'll see um, a police officer followed by three men. Oh, yeah, that looks like him. That yeah. looks like him. Yeah. Could it be him? Could it be him? And so basically, it's it's the the kind of identities of these men have been contested for legitimately like 50 years. And also, there is no real proof that they were involved in any conspiracy mm. um, to kill Kennedy. There were people being cleared out. After after JFK was murdered? Yeah, like that's the more plausible um, explanation. I think it was because they were believed to be like transients that it was like, what were these three men doing there, kind of? But like okay. that's, I mean, you know, what was anyone doing there? They were coming to watch the, the motorcade. Exactly. Right? Um, so anyway, look, it's um, it's basically, I think, I trust Charles on this one. Do you? If he killed Kennedy, he killed Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> if he says he did, he it, probably I did. I mean, that, I mean, like that photo. Do you, are you getting a side by side there? Here's a good one. Hold on, yeah, find me Can one. you see that, Soph? It's quite small. Yeah. Yeah, like the kind of heavy brow and like, 
Yeah. They're kind of curly topped hair. They're both obviously of a similar height, I presume. They've checked that. Yeah, yeah. But, but the problem is, Charles was very, very sloppy. Charles and not unyielding. known. Yes, and, so and very fond of uh, standoffs. Exactly. Touting guns and shooting at imaginary FBI so, so agents. To suggest he kind of successfully assassinated the US president... And wasn't caught, and yet had been caught frequently for all the <laughs> yeah, other random yeah. assassinations. For so many other things. Is a little far-fetched. So the author Jim Marr stated that Harrelson was involved with criminals connected to intelligence agencies and the military. This goes right to the top. Oh, yeah. Um, and he... Um, yeah, he said that um, he was connected to a guy called Jack Ruby, who was an American nightclub owner and also an alleged associate of um, the uh, people who murdered Lee Harvey Oswald mm. two days after Oswald was accused of the assassination. So it's wheels within wheels here. And it's um, much more fun to believe that uh, Woody Harrelson's dad murdered JFK. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't probably think that it is true mm-hmm. although um it's a real fun one it's a real fun one and it is they, they fucking look alike yeah they, they really do. do um and so uh, at one point a well-known artist matched photographs of harrelson to the photographs of the youngest looking of the three tramps and she was like very fairly confident um that she that they were the same person now she is yeah i mean so her name is lois gibson she's an american forensic artist who holds a guinness world record <laughs> i don't know why that slightly undermines her yeah guinness Just, world record for what well for most identifications by a forensic artist oh that fits she also drew the first forensic sketch shown on america's most wanted like ah, that's which good. helped identify the suspect and solve the case because if she had won she the also, longest fingernails in the world, that, that would, you know, tarnished her reputation. That would somewhat. Um, and so Ben, in 1982, so after um, he was imprisoned um, for the, that other murder, <laughs> the judge, um, Charles told a Dallas TV station... Um, Basically, he said, do you believe that Lee Harvey Oswald killed President Kennedy alone without any aid from a rogue agency of the US government or at least a portion of that agency? I believe you are very naive if you do. And that represents what a lot of Americans believe, for sure. And I was raised on the X-Files, so... (laughs) Alien intervention. (laughs) The thoughts that Lee Harvey Oswald did that alone... No way. Not a way. Um, Now, Charles, he's kind of, okay, he's a murderer, but he's a lovable rogue. And it's very him that he also did an escape attempt from prison. Oh, yes. Yeah, and he did it on the 4th of July, Independence Day. And I'd say he was quite tickled by that element. Independence Day. Yes. Mm. So on the 4th of July in 1995. So he's really, he's getting on at this point. What like age in would he 1995, be? he is 56. Okay. And so him and two other inmates attempted to escape from the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary using a makeshift rope. 
And I would love more detail yeah, on makeshift rope. Is it just loads of sheets? Sheets, yeah, yeah, It has yeah, to yeah. be. It's got to be sheets. Torn up into strips. Mm, and unfortunately, thwarted quite rapidly, a warning shot was fired at them from a prison tower and they surrendered. And that is when Charles was transferred to the Supermax Prison ADX Florida in Colorado. And in a letter to a friend... Charles wrote that he enjoyed his life inside the maximum security facility, writing that there are not enough hours in a day for my needs, as a matter of fact. The silence is wonderful. Um, He was found dead. Oh. Yeah. um, In a cell. And if you believe that. Um, Having died at the age of 68 from a heart attack. Or he was getting too close to the truth. (laughs) Um, My God almighty. Fascinating. Isn't it? And there's a full 10 episode podcast um, about the legitimacy of the the assassination of JFK uh, claims and stuff like that. So that's called Son of a Hitman. But like in the meantime, Woody is doing only fabulous. Isn't he? Fabulous. He's won, an, he's won Emmys. Screen Actors Guild Awards. He's been nominated for three Oscars and four Golden Globes. Not a win, though. Mm. And he's, um, he's, I think, a bit of a ledge. And he's played a murderer, so, well, in Natural Born Killers. I was just looking, you know, it, it would appear that his brother, Brett, Brett Harrelson, yeah, did a podcast called Son of a Hitman. That's the one. That's one you just referenced. Oh, sorry. Did oh you no, I didn't that? say it was the brother. Sorry, yeah. Uh, it might have been. Yeah, it's ten episodes. Yeah. Did yeah. you listen to it? No. I'm sure it's good. In answer to some of your other questions, Woody's mom is um, the uh, which which I think she was Nancy. Which of the wives? He had so many wives as well. Like, that's all the thing with these lads. They're like, you know, they're absolutely railing birds and knocking out kids like there's no tomorrow. Her, his mother is uh, Diane Lou Oswald. Oh, there we go. No relation. Like Lee Harvey. I think it's no relation. But still a coincidence. Co- there's a lot of coincidences absolutely. going on. Absolutely. Very strange. Yeah, so Woody has said that his father was rarely around during his childhood. I mean, he's, you know, he's in and out. And um, he said that, like, he grew up really poor and, like, basically poor old Diane was, like, supporting the household on her wages alone. And um, he uh, basically at one point worked as a carny in the Kings Island Amusement Park. Woody did. Woody yeah and he uh basically got big on cheers was his big break that's right yeah and he played the bartender yes yeah god alive what a mad existence Um, sorry woody's brother also actor brett harrelson yes yeah spits of matthew mcconaughey no let's let's have have a look look at brett like he's got look at this picture now are you sending it over? Oh, you're fucking right. Like, that's one of the other Harrelson... 
Oopsies. There is this brothers. Is gonna, so are they going to do this DNA and put us out of our misery? They've got to do the DNA test. Well, it seems like they're promoting a show called Brother from Another Mother, which is on Apple TV, a fictionalized show about them living together in a Texas ranch. Yeah. So get like out. this, it's one of those very interesting stories that's conveniently timed. Oh, well. But give us the DNA test. Come do on. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. But like. I'm mad about Woody. I never knew any of that about Woody Harrelson. A bonkers story. Like, I'd say, to my mind, one of his biggest roles is Natural Born Killers. And I'm just like... That was so good. How was that not a big part of the PR machine for that? Or maybe it was. I was too young when it came out, I suppose. Maybe they were like, and his dad's a real murderer. Yeah. Get a load of this, guys. Mad. Fascinating. blown my mind I know. Cool. Thanks for that. Thanks. Very unexpected. Thank you, Susie Donnelly. That was great. That's our episode. Uh, We'll get back to you on the happy pair update. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll speak about them next time. In the hive. In the hive. In the hive, yes, where we may speak freely. Adios, amigos. Join the hive. Patreon.com forward slash the creep dive. Bye. Bye. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.